Hello and a warm welcome to this bonus episode of the EMJ podcast. My name is Dr Hannah Moyer, Senior Medical Writer and Moderator for EMJ. Today I am thrilled to be bringing you a fascinating discussion as part of a series on From Gut to Glory, digesting the potential of gut hormones in type 2 diabetes management. This podcast has been funded by Eli Lilly. Joining me for today's episode, I am honoured to be joined by two renowned medical experts in the field of diabetes and endocrinology who will explore the latest developments in the management of type 2 diabetes with a specific focus on gut hormones and the comprehensive approach to understanding patient profiles. Our first guest is Professor Michael Nowak, who is the Head of Clinical Research at the Diabetes Division Medical Department of St. Joseph Hospital, Ruhr University in Bochum, Germany. Professor Nork's research interests include the pivotal role of gastrointestinal peptide hormones, including in cretins, in both the physiological and therapeutic regulation of metabolism, as well as in the pathophysiology of type 2 diabetes. His groundbreaking contributions have been significant in shaping the treatment landscape of type 2 diabetes. He has played a pivotal role in developing novel therapeutic agents based on anti-diabetic properties of the gut hormone, including glucagon-like peptide 1, also known as GLP-1. His extensive scholarly output is underscored by numerous publications, and his outstanding scientific contributions have been honoured with several awards and accolades, including the Paul Langerhans Medal in 2012, bestowed by the German Diabetes Association, and the Claude Bernard Medal for the European Association for the Study of Diabetes in 2022. Thank you, Professor Nork, for joining us today. My pleasure. We are also joined by Dr. Priya Manju, who is a clinical assistant professor in the Division of Endocrinology at the University of British Columbia in Canada. She is a diplomat of the American Board of Obesity Medicine and a certified specialist in hypertensive medicine. She is also the director of the Cardiometabolic Collaborative Clinic located in Victoria, British Columbia in Canada and a member of the Victoria Lipid Clinic. Dr. Manju is a co-author of the pharmacotherapy section of the 2020 Canadian Adult Obesity Clinical Practice Guidelines, as well as the 2022 chapter update, and is an author of the 2021 Canadian Cardiovascular Society Guidelines for the Management of Dyslipidemia in Adults. Dr. Manju is a key opinion leader in the realms of diabetes, dyslipidemia and obesity management. Her invaluable contributions significantly contribute to advancing our understanding of these critical medical concepts. Thank you, Dr. Manju, for taking the time to be with us today. It's my pleasure. Thank you for inviting me. So it's a great, wonderful opportunity to have you both here today, and I'm very honoured to have this opportunity to talk with you both. In this first episode, we are going to focus on the critical role of gut hormones in glucose metabolism and appetite regulation. So I'm going to come to Professor Nork first, given your extensive expertise in the topic. I think it'd be really useful to first start with providing our listeners with just a general overview of what the key gut hormones are when we talk about glucose metabolism and appetite regulation. So glucose is regulated mainly through a modulation of insulin secretion through gut hormones and Typically, we call those gut hormones incretin hormones, and there are basically two that we have characterized well. One is GIP, also interpreted as 
glucose-dependent insulinotropic polypeptide, and the second one is GLP-1 or glucagon-like peptide number one. And both are characterized by being able to stimulate insulin secretion if glucose concentrations are high. So that means in the absence of incretins, you secrete so and so much insulin, but this amount is doubled or tripled when there are uh, high concentrations of incretin hormones in the blood. But gut hormones also play a role in uh, the regulation of uh, body weight, mainly through influencing appetite uh, and the need to start eating. And the, there is a little bit of overlap in that GLP-1 is in that category as well. Uh, in animals, GIP also has some appetite-regulating properties. In humans, we are not so uh, sure. And there are other gut hormones, PYY, which is from the same L cells as GLP-1 comes from, and cholecystokinin CCK. But the brain, in order to find out whether you need to eat or you should better uh, uh, stop eating, needs a lot of input. So in addition to the information from the gut, there is also ghrelin from the stomach and leptin from adipose tissue. Thank you, Michael. I think that's really useful to just set the scene there. Um, and, and for our listeners who may not be familiar with these terms and the fact there's an intricate pathway, are you able to explain perhaps the different roles these hormones play? Do, are they, do they have specific responsibilities or is it a very um, complex interplay between all of them? That might be quite a tricky question to answer, I guess. Yeah, but th there are similarities and differences. Let me talk about the incretin hormones first. So GIP is from the duodenum, which is the part of the gut that is immediately after the stomach empties, uh, the, the uh, gastric content will come into contact with those K cells. So it's an early response after you eat, whereas GLP-1 is mostly found more distally in the gut. Uh, also, uh, I think the, the, the way they stimulate insulin secretion in healthy subjects is very, very similar. But uh, GLP-1 suppresses glucagon, and that is part of the therapeutic action if you use derivatives of GLP-1 to treat uh, diabetes. With GIP, we rather see a rise in glucagon concentrations. Also, GLP-1 is an inhibitor of gastric emptying, so it slows the emptying of gastric content into the duodenum, and GIP is devoid of these effects. All the gut peptides that regulate appetite, they are secreted from the gut, but they reach certain brain centers. Most of them are in the hypothalamus. And then there are receptors for these various peptides on certain cells in the hypothalamus, mainly in the arcuate nucleus, for example. And there are two opposing cells, one causing the appetite to rise and the other one that would induce satiety. Uh, and the balance of activity of these two types of neurons uh, determines uh, whether you want to eat or whether you uh, continue fasting. 
uh, and, and the various peptides have influences on these two types of neurons. So if I could come to you, Priya. Um, so Michael's mentioned some of the incretin hormones and its role in perhaps appetite. We also know of the hormone ghrelin as well, and it's often referred to as the hunger hormone. So can you maybe explain how that interplays in terms of appetite regulation as well? Yes, sure. So um, ghrelin is often referred to, as you rightly said, the hunger hormone. And uh, it is it is a gastrointestinal hormone. And it forms part of an incredibly complex network of hormones that Dr. Uh, that, that Michael was just talking about. The we refer to it as the gut-brain axis. And again, it allows bidirectional communication between the brain and the gastrointestinal tract so that we um, are able to respond to the um, changes in nutrient availability. Um, uh, in our environment. So this system involves not just hormones, but immune factors, the microbiota, etc., um, and neural impulses to the brain. So, so what is ghrelin? So ghrelin is what we call an orexogenic peptide. It stimulates eating. Within the brain, we talk about orexogenic pathways and anorexogenic pathways. Orexogenic pathways stimulate um, eating anorexogenic pathways signals satiety. So circulating levels of ghrelin appropriately rise during periods of fasting and stimulates those orexogenic pathways, and then it drops after meal intake. So um, as uh, Michael was uh, saying, uh, ghrelin also um, acts on those pathways NPY and agouti-related protein, as well as POMC neurons that form part of that important hunger pathway in the brain. What's particularly interesting is the, the fact that because ghrelin has a role of influencing appetite, um, it uh, it plays a potential role in the modulation of reward responses. So it's been shown that ghrelin has a very significant effect, not just for what we call the homeostatic eating that's meant to maintain a healthy body weight, but also the hedonic eating that stimulates appetite and eating and um, uh, the liking and uh, of food that occurs even when we're full and that homeostatic pathway is um, um, is satisfied. So it's, um, it's a very interesting um, hormone. Yes, and do you think perhaps there's, because of its impact on appetite um, and satiety and perception perhaps of when we're consuming foods, do you feel that people's diets, their lifestyle choices, would they influence such hormones in any way? Do we know of any evidence that demonstrates that perhaps diet or exercise can influence our hormone levels? So that's a very complex uh, question because uh, behavior is not just are uh, what we're currently doing. It's the effect of those behaviors on the physiology that we've developed through a lifetime of exposures. So I, I think what we see more is the 
um, because ghrelin is very strongly associated with hunger and tied into those reward pathways, um, you can start, it can form the foundation of developing um, unhealthy uh, associations with food, as we often see as part of that hedonic pathway. And that, that gets uh, very much into the um, the substrates of reward and eating behaviors. And, and that's an area of, of great interest, but certainly not a simple um, effect of uh, how we behave that would be certainly an area of, uh, of research in, in the future. I think that's, that's a key point there that, that we still need to learn a lot more about all of these additional factors that are in people's lives and how that might interplay. And I know that there's research ongoing, so we'll, we'll wait to see what those, those outcomes are. But if I come back to you, Michael, then bearing in mind those thoughts, I feel like a lot of people, when we talk about glucose regulation, glucose metabolism, everyone naturally just thinks of insulin. Um, so does our mindset need to slightly adapt to think about these the importance of these gut hormones? Or is it because of that interconnected, in, you know, that strong interplay that insulin is still the kind of downstream molecule that we're talking about? Or, you know, should more focus go into gut hormones? Well, I think gut hormones are important for the regulation of insulin secretion. Insulin and glucagon are still the effectors that will determine uh, how blood sugar is influenced. Uh, a, a nice example is that people in Copenhagen have done studies because they have antagonists for the incretin hormones, GLP-1 and GIP. And what do they do? They raise glucose concentrations after meals and they lower insulin output. So that shows how important incretin hormones are. So a healthy metabolic state would never be possible uh, in the absence of incretin hormones. And maybe it's not a surprise that incretin hormones, especially GIP, doesn't work very well in type 2 diabetes. So if something goes wrong with the incretin hormones, uh, it's very likely that you are no longer talking about a healthy metabolic uh, state. And that, if you like, points to a therapeutic uh, potential. So if you have something that increases insulin in a glucose-dependent manner, the higher the glucose, the more insulin output is stimulated. It still doesn't produce hypoglycemia because when glucose falls, it stops being insulinotropic. Uh, and it has some other mechanisms like lowering glucagon, slowing gastric emptying that also impact on glucose. Then, of course, you know uh, this is what motivated people to develop GLP-1-based medications for the treatment of diabetes and obesity. And Priya, in your own practice, have you noticed the profound impact these gut hormones can have on those individuals living with diabetes or even, in fact, obesity? Absolutely. Um, Michael talked about the therapeutic incretins being such an important therapeutic target. And uh, incretins have come along and really revolutionized how we practice um, and how we treat diabetes. Um, there are many patients who, uh, prior to um, initiating incretin therapies, had issues with hunger. 
Um, and so that sort of dual action of improving the insulin response to restore glucose homeostasis while concomitantly allowing patients to engage in healthy, by, healthy behaviors by putting the sort of breaks on that neurobiological response to, to, to weight loss really helps with uh, chronic disease management. And so I think that dual effect of the incretins on glucose homeostasis and appetite regulation really helps with overall metabolic control. And, and that's been a huge game changer because up until now, we haven't had any tools to address the the underlying adiposity that, that drives um, insulin resistance and the progression of diabetes. Thank you so much, both of you. I think that's a really nice insight to uh, giving an overview of how gut hormones are important in this um, state for glucose regulation. Um, thank you both for joining me today for this discussion. I think that concludes nicely this episode. Thank you, Professor Nork and uh, Dr. Manju for joining us today and providing a clear overview of the critical role of gut hormones in glucose metabolism and appetite regulation. I just want to extend my gratitude for sharing your insights in this series, From Gut to Glory, digesting the potential of gut hormones in type 2 diabetes management with our audience. If you enjoyed this episode of the EMJ podcast, this is the first of a four-part series that can be accessed through your preferred podcast platform or by visiting emjreviews.com. In the next episode, we will discuss incretin hormones in more detail and their role in glucose regulation and type 2 diabetes. Until next time, take care and goodbye for now.